0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show.
1: All right, team, welcome to our three in the Freedom Hut today. Very pleased to be joined by Dr. Tom Garza. He's an associate professor of Slavic and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Garza researches vampire lore and Slavic culture, the Russian fairy tale, and the popularity of the vampire in modern America. Dr. Garza, great to have you, sir.
2: Great to be here. Thank you so
1: much for having me. So, please give, give us a bit of background. Vampires. When did people first start talking about it? And and what's the association with uh, with Slavic cultures in Eastern Europe?
2: Sure, the vampire story is one of the oldest stories, and then becomes a myth that we've got really in Western civilization. And indeed, it also exists in Eastern civilization, probably before that. For us, it's a story that's just over two thousand years old, probably starting in South Asia around. Uh, The Indian Peninsula came across in the Silk Road trade with a lot of movement of Roma, gypsy populations into the southern part of Europe, Uh, right about at the same time Christianity starts to build in this region, and so it becomes a kind of pop culture, mythological folklore, and religious theme that happens all together sometime around the early medieval period. So we're looking at about a thousand years ago that the story really takes root in Uh, South Europe, what we would call what used to be Yugoslavia, sort of now the area of Serbia, Croatia.
1: The most famous vampire story of all time, of course, is Vlad, Dracula, uh, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, You bet. When when did that association first start to happen? I've talked before on the show a bit about the real Vlad in the sense that he was, uh, you know, Eastern European prince and he raised in the Ottoman court and was involved in fighting against the Ottoman Empire. But the, the vampire aspects of that story came into it. How and when?
2: So this is a story that's from the 15th century. Vlad rules an area that's officially called Wallachia, part of Transylvania, which today would be uh, the sort of northeast, sorry, northwest to central area of Romania. Uh, he rules from 1456 to 72, 1472, and during that time, and you're quite right, he was he was known pretty much of what we would call a Christian crusader. He was the uh, the sort of leader that was 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 the one who rallied troops, a very kind of ragtab group of troops together to fight the Ottoman Turks and the movement of Islam into Central Europe. Um, he's by many still to present day in the region considered to be the one who's, who stopped the the flow of, of, of uh, the Muslim Turks into that region. So he becomes known as Vlad the Impaler for one of his more infamous tricks of helping to keep the Turks at bay, to keep them away, by staking, literally through the body with long wooden stakes, the bodies of his uh, uh, his cap the, the people that he would capture, uh, Turks that he would have brought onto the front lines on stakes, still half alive, writhing in pain, and this would <laughs> it would tend to deter troops from coming across those lines. And as a result, he became known as a bloodthirsty prince, and that bloodthirst. Turned into a literally a blood lust. Stories began to uh, to evolve that he drank the blood of his victims, and, and in this became known as Vlad the Impaler and Vlad Dracul, the 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 dragon, uh, which became associated with vampires.
1: Now, how much of this stuff that is said about him, other than what he sort of did to? His uh, Ottoman enemies, which is well chronicled, and the, the impaling technique, of course, is why he's Vlad the Impaler. But there are other stories as well about him being bloodthirsty at at home, uh, and I don't mean bloodthirsty as in drinking the blood. Of course, that was added later, but just somebody who was a very vic- a vicious, uh, vicious and savage uh, ruler to those that you know got in his way or that uh, that were in some sense a threat to his power. Were those sort of Turkish and sort of folklore stories that you know boogeyman stories that popped up after, or how bad a guy was Vlad the Impaler? Really, is what I'm trying to get at.
2: Yeah, well, I think you know, the Turks didn't didn't help with the with the, the story building, the myth making about the guy. There's no question about it; they made him out to be much worse than he probably was. But truth be told, I mean, he uh, if we want to do a pop psychology analysis of the guy, he had a very unhappy childhood, he had a very difficult time with his siblings, was was not happily ensconced in his uh, Princeton. His, he was challenged by his own son, in fact, for his rule. And as a result, I think he developed a, a lot of the um, uh, ruthless characteristics that we now associate with uh, the period, with the 15th century of being, if you wanted to if you wanted to rule a, a region successfully, you had to do it with an iron fist. And so he did a lot of things besides the impaling that gave him this reputation of being uh, this bloodthirsty or very cruel ruler. These are not just folkloric um, stories. These actually were documented a lot by the religious people at the time, who in many cases were trying to, to make a case against Dracula to get him out of power. Things like, because uh, uh, holy people wouldn't take their caps off in front of him, he would have his servants nail their caps on to their heads while they were still alive. And uh, uh, things like, like that, uh, locking people into a, a room that he had brought in, the, what we would call the boyers, the ruling class, because they weren't, weren't paying their taxes, bring them into a room for, for a dinner and then lock the room, nail the door shut, and set the entire place ablaze. Um, this, these were the kind of techniques, should I call them, I suppose, his uh, antics that got him the reputation of ble- being bloodthirsty.
1: So I don't know if you're familiar with the Game of Thrones series, but he's, he's kind of like maybe, maybe a little less crazy than Ramsey Bolton, but he's definitely the Lannisters <laughs> on a bad day.
2: I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I think the Game of Thrones has helped my enrollments a lot. In, in, in the course I teach on the Slavic vampire, I think they uh, my kind of GOT fans like to try to see the similarities between uh, fact and fiction, between the historic vampires and the characters created on Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, I'm always fascinated when people point out that there are some uh, some of the the most uh, gruesome sort of sequences and scenes in that are taken from different parts of history. I, I believe the 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 Red Wedding is is roughly... Uh, I've been told based on I think it was the uh, s- s- two Scottish clans and there was you couldn't kill somebody when they were your guest. But they essentially had everybody. They had the one clan over. And then as they were leaving, whatever, the fortified position, the castle, they had everybody strangled and stabbed to death right there after breakfast. So, you know, this is this stuff. This stuff. Bad things happen in history. and Then you can make it uh, excellent in fiction. Uh, but speaking of bad things happening in history, I also want to ask you about the who is the female vampire in the six, 16th or 17th century. I'm forgetting her name.
2: Late 16th the very beginning of the 17th. This is Elizabeth Báthory. Yeah. Elizabeth Báthory of Hungary is a, is one bad uh, dudette, I suppose. She's uh, she was the, uh, the the successor in many respects to the uh, reputation that Vlad uh, Dracula had about ruling with an iron fist. In this case, it wasn't being tormented by her father, but rather her husband, who was an incredibly cruel, ruthless ruler. And when he died, she took over the, the throne in, in Hungary and really didn't want to prove that a woman could run the place at least as ruthlessly as her husband did. Uh, her reputation was much more direct, actually, than Vlad than Dracula's was about the connection to blood, in that she, er, fairly early in her reign, was uh, considered. She was always considered, even as a young a young woman, considered to be quite beautiful. And as she took over the uh, the throne, wanted to keep that as a central part of her ability to uh, to rule effectively. Was that she stay this this beautiful woman, but very ruthless woman at the same time. And the story goes that she discovers while having her hair brushed by a servant at one time, who accidentally pricks her skin. That uh, as she w- wipes the blood on her face, she feels it tightening and, and sees that her face has actually become more youthful, and from that makes the great leap to bathing in blood. She uh, collects female servants, takes, uh, kills them, takes their blood, and then bathes in it. And these... Uh, 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 murders went on over the course of several years during her reign and it was only until villagers in the in the adjacent area noticed that the the young their young daughters and all who would go to work as servants in Bathory Castle never returned that they uh, finally sent police the equivalent of police gendarme up to the castle who discovered the body of somewhere between four and six hundred uh, young girls that had been killed over several years.
1: So that's in the historical record, this is not; these are not apocryphal stories that have now turned into uh, things that people accept as true. We actually believe That's that she was correct. a she was a, a serial killer on a level that we've really never seen in this country.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so, again, the, the interesting thing from my perspective, when, when we include her in the vampire myth, is that this bloodlust tends often to be simply uh, piled on to the larger vampire story that says you one has to actually to drink the blood. Uh, of, a, of, a, of a living person in order to keep your life going on, um, Bathory, we never have evidence, there is no historical record, any kind of chronicle that says she actually drank the blood of these victims, but by the fact that she used it in a way that at least she thought was preserving her youth, it, it gave her this vampiric characteristic and reputation.
1: It is. The vampire myth, obviously, in pop culture has become a huge thing. There are countless series. Many of them have done extraordinarily well all over the world, whether we're talking about books or movies. And and of course, there's the classic uh, Dracula story and and all the iterations of that. Has this uh, are are there different sort of versions of the vampire myth in other cultures that we're not quite as familiar with? Is it something that's either been picked up or has existed in other places longer? I mean, I'm just trying to think of. You know, are are there you know, is there a South American equivalent to the vampire story or some version of it? Or does East Asia have some equivalent or is this really rooted in Eastern Europe and has sort of just had reverberations outward from there?
2: Oh, it's a a terrific question. And that actually uh, one of the reasons I believe this myth is quite as enduring as it is globally is because it is a global story. Uh, I think I said at the very beginning, the very first iterations we really have of the story, any historical records anyway, go back closer to 3,000 years, and those are East Asian, coming out of China and Japan. We have several figures, almost all female, that uh, kept their life going or returned from the dead by drinking blood. The Kali story, the goddess of death who drinks uh, blood as the person dies from India, one of the oldest stories as we move further west. South America and North America both have stories native american stories of spirits who drink the blood of the living so that they may remain able to come onto uh, the earth i mean even even some of our more uh, folkloric reiterations of that story with things like the uh, where where i'm from in texas here in texas we have the story of the chupacabra from uh, from mexico on northward of a kind of goat-like, a, a goat-sucking creature, a creature that comes in and drinks the blood of livestock for in, in order to stay alive. So no, this is actually pretty much an attested story on all continents um, and has been for, as I said, somewhere between three, uh, two and 3,000 years.
1: Uh, Dr. Garza, is there anywhere that people can go to read your writings on this? Do you have a book uh, that, that compiles some of your research on this? Where can people learn more?
2: I've got a couple of good, some articles that are in a compilation called Origins of the Vampire. Uh, that just came out a couple of years ago, where I talk specifically about the development of the vampire myth in Slavic areas, which is what I teach. And I also have a compilation by, by in my, of my own called uh, The Vampire in Slavic Cultures. And that's a compilation, an edition that I did of, of uh, writings from biblical times to the 21st century, just literally to a few years ago. Um, And all of these are, those are both available on good old Amazon.com.
1: All right. Look up Dr. Tom Garza on Amazon.com. Learn more about the actual history of vampires. Dr. Garza, great having you. Really appreciate your insight today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Buck, as well, and have a terrific, terrific Halloween.
1: You too, sir. Happy Halloween.
2: The
0: Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com